Sacred Space. Okay, welcome back again. My name is John Keeley. Um, come and see Inspirations, and I'm here in Medjugorje. Lovely cup of tea here in Mary's Mills, and joined by a lovely person, uh, Melona van Habsburg. Have I pronounced that correctly? Mm-hmm. How yes, are you? Good morning, and well, thank you. What part of the world is that from, that name? That name comes from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and that's a family that just ruled over parts of Europe for a few centuries and were exiled and thrown out in the, at the beginning of the First World War. Oh, okay. Met a few people here in Medjugorje from various parts of the world. What brings yourself to Medjugorje? Medjugorje is not very far from where I come. I was born in Munich. Okay. Um, in, in Germany, because we were exiled and, and therefore we, we don't live in Austria anymore, nor in Hungary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I heard about Medjugorje in 1983. And at the time when I saw the little picture and the possibility that six children in Yugoslavia were seeing Our Lady, I didn't think it was necessary and we didn't need it because I grew up with Fatima. Okay. One of my aunts was Sister Lucy's secretary and my father found his peace there when he was a Second World War refugee. And so for us, Fatima was very much a place we went to every year as a family, as a pilgrimage. And um, so I didn't think we needed any more because mm-hmm. we already had everything. Mm-hmm. And then the call began, began to become alive in the heart in 1984. And then for the third anniversary, I was here with two buses of cousins who are from Austria and Germany. And, um, and we slept in the little wood here behind the church. And that was our first pilgrimage in 1984, for the third anniversary, June. That you were fairly young in that particular stage? Yes, and a lot of young people joined you on that particular first time? All ages. All ages? Yeah, from 80 to 15. For those of you who have been uh, in Medjugorje over more recent years, I'm sure that would have been a different place in 1984. Yeah, here there was nothing. There was just, you know, there was peace. There was total silence. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing to do. Nobody to listen to. No distractions at all. Okay. There was only space and evening program. That was it. And there wasn't even a regular mass in the morning in different languages. It was just if there was a group, there was. If there wasn't a group, there wasn't. And so it was very, very free. And we would just have a lot of time and silence. And in that time and silence, we discovered the hill. It took a long time to go to the hill. We didn't have a busy program, you know. Okay. But we had all this space, and the Lord, for many of us, really came in and really changed our lives. And that happened to many of us in the bus. And I'm just one of them who had a life-changing moment here. That is what the Lord, that's why she comes. Because mm-hmm. she wants to enter our lives where we are at. And, and we need to give her the space for that. So that was 1984. 1984, yeah. You've had a lot of experiences since you've been here over the years in terms of finding that place of peace and that space. And yes, it is because that's the path that begins. when With the first initial experience then begins a new way of life and then she gives the messages and she teaches us how what holiness is in daily life and that changes life profoundly from within the p- putting God in the first place has many consequences because mm-hmm. many idols and many other things have to go many attachments have to go many things that we think mm-hmm. important will go mm-hmm. you know and, and only essential things become important and love grows and then everything falls in place but with something else inside mm-hmm. and nothing it's, it's a learning process. It's a lifeline. It's a lifelong, I think, learning process until we die. 
And what, what was so special for yourself coming here to Medjugorje to, to, to get that, um, to, to, to find this rather than maybe Fatima, for instance? I've been to Fatima. I had many Fatima? experiences there. My whole life I went to Fatima. Okay. Once a year as a family. Mm-hmm. And it was always a special moment. And yet, when the calling came to come here, obviously it was God's plan. I didn't know. He changed my life totally here. And I had to let go of everything once I have been here. And this wasn't the case before. I was young, but I was a child. You know, so he obviously doesn't do anything violent. So he, you know, he educated us throughout our whole life and with our parents and our wider family. Mm-hmm. And then when the moment was ripe, poof, he took me. And can you share some of those moments with us? Just the first moment, maybe, because mm-hmm. that's one that, that is alive and that has imprinted itself on my soul in such a way that it's just something that changed myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was on, on Mount Krijevac, it was on the way of the cross, between the fifth and the sixth station. As a group, we went very early in the morning, because it was hot, extremely hot. Mm-hmm. And um, and the group went quite of quick, and I, I I didn't I didn't I couldn't I had to go really slowly, and at those stations, I felt a huge weight coming down on my on my shoulders like a very strong weight like a, like a huge pressure, and I had to sit down and I couldn't do one more step forward and I had the impression my life was like that was really heavy coming mm-hmm. down on me, and and I sat down and looked down at the village and there was very few little houses and lots of vineyards and tobacco fields and I just sat there in a very deep silence and in that moment a presence came around me and wrapped me in more silence but it was a, a, li- a, a silence that was alive there was somebody like as if somebody put a mantle around me mm-hmm. and that person was looking down on me from behind and the way she looked mm-hmm. was a, it was a gaze that was so peaceful, so strong, so truthful, so peaceful, and so revealing of everything. And it was, I saw my life like on a carpet in front of me, but not with my eyes, with her eyes. And what was so beautiful is there was absolutely no judgment, no criticism, no nagging, no mocking, nothing. You know what Mm -hmm. we humans always do? We have opinions about each other, We, we don't like one another. There was nothing of that, nothing. Mm-hmm. Only peace and acceptance. I have never felt so good in anybody's gaze because it was so free and I was just myself and that was it, nothing else. And when she showed me my life, she asked me three questions that highlighted things in my life that weren't right. So, for example, the first question was if this here is true, meaning Medjugorje and the event here, what was happening. And how could you ever call yourself a Christian? And I had always been Catholic, mm-hmm. practicing Catholic. But in that moment, I knew that it wasn't enough to practice. It had, I hadn't even touched the tip of an iceberg of a full Christian life, what it actually means. And the second question was, who is the God that you say you believe in? And the way it was put was, you say you believe in him, but do you actually know who he is? And I had never thought of who he was because you've been taught and you just mm. accept it. And, mm. But who he is is a totally different matter because he becomes somebody else. Yes. And mm. Not a book, mm. not, a, not a homily, but somebody real. And in that moment what happened was that the air filled with a much greater presence. And that was really the feeling of every atom was alive. 
and there was life everywhere. And it was so alive and so huge that I think it would have crushed me if I hadn't been under this bubble of presence. Because it's not. It's too much. It's enormous. It's as if the whole universe was all of a sudden there, and everything was alive. Maybe the air was life. It was just the most unspeakable beauty. And, so, and that one was also somebody. It wasn't an energetic field or one of those vibration things. Mm. It was a total person. Huge, unspeakable, totally different with, with a real identity. And he, there were also eyes who looked down on me and wanted something back which I had stolen from him. And that was myself, my own life. Because in that moment I got it back. Because he looked at me and he wanted it back. Because he gave it to me. And I had lived my life with the normal sort of world criteria, aristocracy, mm-hmm. I don't know, the Pink Floyd, the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the 70s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. There's all these easy rider waves, the hippie waves, yeah. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That was all in my life. And they, in one moment, it, it wasn't of any importance anymore because he wanted to be my God and nothing of that mattered. It was him who had something to say. And all this dialogue was without words. It happened because they looked at me. Mm. and I was being seen and I became somebody else because they gave me who I am and that had never happened before ever because we don't know who we are mm. and when Jesus says you can't judge anybody it's the truth we do not know who we are we have no criteria to judge because see I don't like actions mm. I don't like words I don't like looks I don't like things but we do not know who we are the true identity the Lord himself can only give us and and that is the deep identity, yeah? not the social circumstances, but the deep, deep identity of ourselves, child of God. And that happened that moment. And then I, I continued nothing. I was just sitting that all this was happening. And I didn't see anything but I saw, and I didn't hear anything but I heard. And it was one of those moments. And I looked down on the church, and the church was without a roof. And just an unbelievable light that went up and down and up and down from heaven. Gold, all sorts of golds were alive and then everything went into the church the whole lot went like in a funnel into this little church and I knew that the whole of heaven is contained in the little building of the church and then everything vanished and I sat there and I didn't know who I am no nothing anyway I just sat there and I couldn't think it was just so different from anything I'd ever experienced it just changed my relationship with myself, with what was around me, with creation, with everything at once. And it was, whoa, you know, very peaceful, mm-hmm. but so totally, completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I sat, and then there came a man who was a priest, he had a collar, and I stood up and I, and I spoke to him in English for some reason, and I said, Father, can you help me up the hill? Because I really didn't know the way, and I couldn't. I didn't know where to put my feet because the ground didn't feel normal. Nothing felt the same. My feet felt different. It was all strange, as if like as if a child that was just born. You know, everything had to be learned again. Mm-hmm. And and he just looked at me and he said, "Follow me." And I, there I was, twenty five years old, going on twenty six, and speaking languages, having worked all my life, having been around the world. I was entirely dependent on the feet of this unknown priest who went up the, the way of the cross. I did nothing of the way of the cross. I just put my nose down and looked at his feet and put my feet where he put his feet. Mm-hmm. And then up on the cross, I didn't know what to do. I was just standing there and I, I said to him, please, Father, can I confess? Because I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I told him what had happened and 
it was, you know, it was a confession like of a whole life. It wasn't a list of sins. When you know it's wrong, but you don't know how to get out of it, so you just continue anyway. You mm. confess it, you regret it, and the day after it's all there again. Mm. So it, it had been difficult confessions, except one or two that were deeper. But the rest was difficult. Mm. And that moment was the encounter had happened. And everything before that encounter had been a searching for that encounter. But I didn't know it until that day. Because mm-hmm. we are all made for that. We mm-hmm. all search. We can do the worst things because we want that peace. Mm-hmm. We can even kill because we think we get peace. Mm-hmm. And we don't. But we know it when it's too late. Yeah? So we do all sorts of crazy things because we want peace. And I had met peace because he had come himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, why now? Why at 25? Why not? Mm-hmm. That was his... There was no answer to that. which was a fact. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Who knows? I have no argument. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because he wills it so and so it must be, mm. and it was good. And so I had to, at 25 years of life just came out, you know, just everything. And it was like an exile coming home. Mm. And exile that had always longed for the home and couldn't get to it. And there it had come. And there had a meeting that happened and I was home. And I felt like that. And it, it's, you know, whenever I read, I don't know, the prodigal son and all these kind of things, mm. that feeling of home, I know that feeling. I know that feeling of being restored to home. Mm. And so, and, and then he gave me a huge consolation and a, a big absolution and shoved me down the hill. <laughs> and I flew mm. down that hill. Mm. I was a mm. different person. I was totally changed inside and just felt just such a different space. Mm-hmm. Mm. I could breathe. My heart was beating light. It was just wonderful. Mm. And, um, and we saw, I saw two signs that were given physical signs like the sun. Mm. was turning and had wonderful rainbow colors around it and was pulsating and came closer and left again and yes. was dancing around and then I saw the cross on Mount Krishavats becoming light from within white, shining white from within and it looked like an obelisk and a golden ball under it and then it turned you saw the, the arms and the knot mm-hmm. and then it just started to go like this and it looked as if the triumphant cross of Christ the glory of his cross transformed the world into a treasure and um, and the 14th of September is my birthday so I, I just didn't think of that but that's the mass of Prishabhats on Sunday mm-hmm. is linked to this thing so it's, it's a very important cross yeah, that we have to go there and pray and, and both those signs that I saw were like a little wink of the eye saying don't forget what you lived because it was real and I would have liked to forget it sometimes later because once you've lived that there's no way back and if there's a way back it's hell there is no way to be happy anymore. So therefore, it's the total freedom is engaged in that, into mm-hmm. that, yes. And in the freedom that happened, then I started to make new choices. And, I, and many left me. Yeah. Friends, family, they thought I was going to be had gone, mm-hmm. you know, just mad, exa- exaggerated, fanatic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, it would have been easier sometimes not to have lived it. But like the visionaries say, when the people started commonly started to put people into prison yeah. they would have liked to say we don't see her but she does it in such a way that you continue yeah. even if others suffer you become free somehow of the suffering in some ways and, um, and so and then we went home to Munich and I just remember that my mother asked me she came to collect me I'm the oldest of seven kids so everybody was waiting at home father, mother, children and she in the car just asked me said Milo what is in Medjugorje how is it I said mommy in Medjugorje there is nothing and in this nothing is everything. I could say no more. I was really full with something else. And then I arrived home, and I remember going into the kitchen, and they were all sitting there. 
And I just put my head in. And they started to giggle and laugh. And, and then they asked me, so, and I didn't know what to say. I went, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I saw the cross turning. Yeah, you did, did you? And I saw the sun. Yeah, you saw the sun is turning as well. You know, they were making fun of me, laughing at me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I'm going to say nothing. I'm just going to do what she says. Read the Bible, go to Mass every day. Just do a different life. Mm. And continue working, everything. But then, slowly but surely, it was plucked apart, everything. Yeah? Yes. And what they told me years later, that many years later, they all came to me to all of them. And they told me that my mother said when she saw me, I had changed so much so that it was a shock. Mm. And she said I was going to die, she thought. And so she ran into the bathroom. When I went into the kitchen, she went into the bathroom, the only quiet place in a big house, big family house, locked herself in and knelt down in the bathroom and cried. I said, Lord, yes, okay, you can have her, but leave her a little bit longer. And she was hurt. I'm still around 32 years later. And my family, my brothers told me that one of my brothers is a huge man, a yeah, really big boy. Mm. And he said, yeah, maybe Medjugorje Bof, you know, we have Fatima. And he said, mm. when he saw me, he went, oh, this is true. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were so mm. shocked at my change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't speak for me at all because it must have been a right old monster. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But they were so shocked at how changed I was. And then they sort of, you know, <laughs> tried to stay normal. And, have, and they said their giggles were like funeral giggles, like nervous giggles. You know? Yes, yes, yes. They were so yes, shocked they didn't know how to handle this. Mm. So nothing, I just, nothing changed, but everything changed inside. And that was the beginning of a new life for everybody in my family, for everybody. I'm the oldest of 28 cousins. I'm the oldest. And when the oldest gets zapped, there is a pass that opens for everybody. In their own mode. But there is a pass. So... You came back to Munich. You had to live this new experience mm-hmm. on your own a lot of the time. Yeah, alone, yeah. But a path opened up, no doubt. You, you were yeah. given some consolation in terms of some support. Yes, and also encounters. You know, I went to confession regularly and encounters in Mass. Mass became the very center of my existence because that's when I felt the closest to that experience. Mm. The preparation for Mass was the rosary, it was more dry, and then came the moment consecration that's when I felt every time that was the same Lord coming and I started to do retreats and stuff and find out more about him and mm-hmm. I still did my work but I, I let go I had to let go of everything I had to let go and let the Lord recreate everything so I had to change work and I had to let go and not even knowing what was going to come next mm-hmm. very often you say not that's it that's the last time you go to the auctions in Geneva that's the last time you go to these cocktail parties I always knew it's over I didn't know it was next I just woke up the next day and went to mass you know, and then no, the next thing like that, you know. So it was a real walk on the water type of thing. And um, and into deep waters because I had no idea. And yeah. my whole existence mm. was mm. up. But it was very beautiful and very joyful and very simple at the same time. Just different. Yeah. When you spoke with the priest on the top of Krusevik and told him your experience, what sort of reaction did you get from the priest? He said nothing. But I met a lady who knew him. And, and I never saw him again. I just mm-hmm. knew he was a, a Dutch missionary from Island. And a, a lady who knows him gave me a picture of him. I said, I know that priest. And I said, yes, that's the one you met on the hill. Because yes. he told her that people had experiences in Medjugorje that prove that the truth is happening there. Okay. And she said it was the experience that he had heard from me. That had convinced him totally that Medjugorje was real and authentic because he said that was real. So that's all, but he never told me, because of it, very mm. wisely so, mm. because it would have been dangerous, I think, probably, you know. These kind of things can make people go over the, overboard. 
if you're not looking at it simple. And because they can start to think that the experience is more important than the conversion. And that's not the case. Yeah, yes, yes. Because the conversion yes. is what matters then. And the choice to holiness and not what we live, what we see, what we hear. That's what the vision is always so clearly saying. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that is very important. Not to, it's beautiful and it need, needs to be hugely treasured because the person feeds of that where obviously. But then the Lord is constantly recreating and reshowing himself in a new way, constantly. And we mustn't get stuck at only one mm-hmm. thing. And therefore he never said anything. He just gave me a solution and said, give your life to God, something like that, very basic, which, which had happened, mm. uh, which has to be renewed, obviously, all the time. But, yeah. but you were prepared even before this experience, or this encounter, to give your life to God anyway. Yes, because I wanted to, mm. but I didn't know what it meant. Mm. And I didn't know how, nobody had told me we could do that. I had lots of priests in my family, lots of nuns, mm. but mm. the others were living like that, you know, and it, it I didn't like life, and I found mm. life really, really boring. And I found, oh, what is this this stuff yeah. that people do again and again for nothing? It doesn't go anywhere. And I wanted to have somewhere to go to. I wanted an aim, a purpose, and a real reason to mm. do things. Well, he gave me himself. And this encounter and this experience gave you that reason, yes. the, the, the way that you could understand yourself. He gave himself that could, way. Mm. But you could understand it yourself. He Lots did. of other people wouldn't have been able to give you what you humans need. can't we can't give that to each other we can't no we cannot because we're not God we're not the creator only the creator can give his creation to identity mm. we cannot we can love somebody more or less but only if we love him first and so from that particular time then you've obviously tried to get closer and closer yeah. and closer yeah. and within that, that within that that means helping others no doubt also, it's a, it's a fruit that comes it's a fruit, later. Yeah. Yeah. It comes slowly but surely. The first is like a honeymoon. You just go. Mm. And you want to be with the beloved. And that's it. And mm. work and survive. But the, the beloved is the very center. Mm. Out of that life with him then comes a different heart with different eyes. And that then brings different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it, and it's, a, it's a constant encounter yes. on a daily basis. Listening, yeah. being open. Yeah, it's all the time. It's a living in his presence. Mm. at all moments that's the real unity that, that comes very slowly it's a long process I think it's going to be forever that learning but that's what it is it's to become one thing with Our Lady with Jesus and to on the way to the Father's heart and, and mm. then that's life mm. in itself that's what Jesus did at Paolo. that's what Our Lady does uh, did you know mm. it's, it's a hard life it's, it's full of pain because the more you love and the more you receive love the more you suffer when there isn't any yeah. Or when there's falseness and there's mm. oh, much wrong, and it's very painful because you think, oh, what a waste, you know. Mm. And it could be so simple, and it's not. We're artists who have been complicating our lives and our world. Mm. <laughs> there might be somebody listening to this uh, to this conversation who might be thinking, well, yeah, I've been searching too, but uh, but I I haven't got that type of experience. Well, what would you say to them? No, I don't know. Because that is, God does in every life like he wants. Yeah, in his own time. Yes. And I think what we need to do is search for him, really honestly. Because mm. I really say one of the terrible things is nowadays that people don't search for him. Because he's there, he's to be found. Mm. We have to search. And sometimes, for example, when I heard the call to the pilgrimage, in the beginning I didn't feel like coming. But then I did. I came into a communist country, which is not good for a Habsburg because they don't like us. And, 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 and you know it, it, it was a risk in a certain way 
it was something that took me out of my normal life. So I went mm-hmm. out of normal comfort mm-hmm. and stuff and, and routine or whatever and went somewhere else because it, he invited me and I, I felt I had mm-hmm. to go and I went. And it was funny enough, the corner in my heart that belonged to Fatima that took over and said, she is there, you must go. And yes. there was a real authority there. So it was a calling. And I believe with all my heart that if somebody who really searches goes to Mass, goes to confession and really puts him first mm. and tries that, the Lord doesn't sleep. The Lord is not deaf. No, but we need to he's be very honest. Deaf, no, 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 he's not deaf. And nor is Our Lady. And he sends her so long to learn how to be with him mm. and how she knows him. She's giving him to us how she knows him. And mm. that's the most wonderful thing. So by her messages, by becoming small children again and accepting the new way. I mm-hmm. think there's nobody in this world that he wouldn't give himself because the visionaries tell us he's burning to give himself, but our hearts are cluttered. So she said, teachers help us to get our hearts free to let him in more and more and more. And let him take over every part of life. And he does. What do you, what would you think would be the special message coming from Medjugorje? Well, the first thing that she said was, my son sent me. Mm. And the beauty of her beautiful presence, mm-hmm. her loyalty, her fidelity, her presence interceding for us before God and turning around and bringing us her motherly blessing and his love and her eyes, how she looks at us. Ivan always says he can't describe the beauty of her eyes, mm-hmm. how she looks at us mm-hmm. and what the joy and what the love there is in her eyes. It's a lovely young woman and she's lovely. She's just really nice, somebody you want to be with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the message. God is good to be with him and to spend time with him in his presence is good to be with him and anybody who says that he doesn't exist is a liar because he exists yeah. everybody who denies the presence is a liar and it's not the truth because, and that's what she comes to say she doesn't come to say people are liars she comes to say to tell us God is true mm. and God is alive and God loves us and we can find him and he is here waiting for us and she holds court here in a certain way Mm-hmm. So she, mm-hmm. you know, she opens mm-hmm. her heart and makes it an oasis of peace, mm-hmm. and we can come and mm-hmm. visit and get to know and let her in. The queen mm-hmm. is the mom, the mother. Lovely. And then we take her home. We need to learn how to live with her to take her home, mm-hmm. and then she comes with us. Well, one of the wonderful things to see here in Mexico is, is, is the amount of young people that seem to be here and seem to be really entering into the spirit of it. Well, why do you think young people will come to a place like Medjugorje when back home? Because, because everybody is made by him mm. for him in eternity he will be there nobody else mm. so they know that very deeply and they have been lied to so much and so many false offerings have been given to them yeah. so many illusions and they're not foolish you know they want the truth and they have to be told mm. no matter if they mock they don't know because they do not know they haven't met him yet and if she said once, our lady said, if she knew how much I love you, you would cry for joy. You cry for so joy. it is. It makes us innocent in the heart again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the, uh, of the aspects of it is, is the, the absence of noise here in terms of television, music, loud blaring and so on and so forth. Is that place where the absence of that would offer the place of peace? It's, distract, it's distracting. It's there, yeah. It distracts. It gives the feeling that lots of important things are happening when they're not really important, but mm-hmm. they take... They, make, they sort of attack, they attract the heart and attach the feelings and the desires and the the, 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 the hungers. Mm-hmm. So it's it, so that is so. Yeah? But I think that everybody who wants to and sits himself under a tree, mm. without an earphone on, without nothing, yeah, on, yeah. 
Okay, just be. Just be insane. Just be insane. Please come to me. If you exist, I want to meet you. He has done it to as many people. You moved on from that particular experience and you began to work in various areas. I know at one particular stage, I think, were you doing some interpreting here? In, in I started Bulgaria? to work with Father Slavko here in 1985 mm -hmm. because in the first time I didn't meet anybody of the village, nobody, no visionary, no priest, nothing, mm -hmm. the Lord himself and the prayer life and everything. Mm -hmm. And then slowly but surely I came every month from Munich with different people and um, and every time was a new chapter in life that was closed and a new one opened every just three days but those three days were always mm. total change again and um, and then I started to know Father Slavko and I heard that they needed help and they have languages so one of my aunts said they need you you need to go there and help them I said no I'm very happy in Munich mm. I'm not going to go to this strange little place there because mm. I didn't feel mm. I should live here no way to live here it's like mm -hmm. the grace is one thing but to live here is a little not the same mm. and so she said yes you do and so I said to Father Slavko and he said, no, there's no space here. I said, good. Okay. Right. And then he said, so, the next time I was here, I said, so you're coming. I said, what? <laughs> I'm coming. He said, yes, you're coming. Right. I have a place for you. He put a desk in his room, in the room where he was meeting everybody. And, um, uh -huh. and he put a desk there and he had a pile of cards and a pen. Uh -huh. And when I came for the fourth anniversary, he said, write, sit and write. Uh -huh. And I said, okay. And I took a letter. It was from Brazil. And I read it, I said, Father, this is a letter, this is a life confession. So uh -huh. this woman is telling us everything about herself. Uh -huh. and, and I said, what do I do with this? And so I told him what she said, and then he told me what to write back. Uh -huh. And it was the room where the visionaries used to come for the apparition in the evening. And uh, so we, I wrote a card saying the card was blessed by Our Lady, mm -hmm. and would pray for her intentions, which we did. We mm -hmm. prayed for her intentions and gave the cards to be blessed. Our Lady blessed them. And then the cards went out, hundreds of them, thousands out, signed yeah. by Father Slavko. And, um, and they arrived and they did what they did. They, they really gave graces to people because they felt heard and seen yes. and not forgotten. Okay. You know? yeah. And there was somebody all of a sudden. Somebody had heard their petitions, yep. had prayed, and the card came on the day where they wanted to die, when the baby was going to go and be lost again. Wow, wow. Stuff, when they went to jail, they converted and started prayer groups in jail, you know, and things like that. So real Beautiful. stuff, real, real incredible things. And, um, and the answers came back. And so I started to learn what she does here. She has created an oasis. You can see, She yeah. created a sign mm -hmm. that God is plan having plans for the whole world and he's acting everywhere. And the graces are being poured out everywhere. And you witnessed that yes, firsthand. Yes, I witnessed that since 32 years on a daily basis. So you stayed there for a few years now with, with yeah. Father then Yes, 11 mm -hmm. years with him. And 11 years, and then I started to translate him with the microphone in the hand. Okay. And then he was invited on journeys and I journeyed with him. And then he was joined with, by the visionaries, and so I started translating them, and it just became more and more. It never stopped. And in all that, I do the same. I still continue. His was in heaven, but I still help with the translations of the messages, and sometimes I help with Ivan. And it's very little. It's a small help, but it's an assisting, you know. It's mm. what I have. And we became friends with all of them, and, and so they know, you know, they know. And it's thirty-two years, and I've seen them grow from little teenagers very shy to really strong human beings with great capacities in their hearts. Unbelievable. The mm. strength of their, of their compassion and stuff like that. Just unbelievable what they have and how good they are. And I really love them. They're really good people, all of them, in their own ways and in their culture, who they are and how he changes, how he makes everything blossom in them. That's of their persons. It's just beautiful to see that. 
and they all became very much different and very much themselves. Mm. It is really mm. nice to see. Mm. They're not in a mold, you know. And so this this journey that started 32 years ago, was this? Uh, 32 years ago. You never would have imagined at the start that that would have... I didn't know it was possible. It's the only... It's totally the best. I, I, I didn't know. So the message is just sit back and enjoy the ride. Just work at it. Active. active. Very active. It's yeah. a real relationship with a real somebody mm. who wants to be the king every day in every aspect of life and show what freedom is, what the free choice is and how to make it. But it's a real school. And every give, day. Give him the reins. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not a passive one. It's not an inshallah thing. Mm. It's, it's a real collaboration. Y- yes, that's the word collaboration. It's a real lis- listening and, 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 and letting him do it and say yes to it and, and go with it. And it's always new and always different, always unexpected. No doubt you'll never be asked to do what you can't do. No. He always makes us do more though. I think he, he trusts us a lot and makes us grow. Mm. So we would always ask more. Mm. And if it's connected, I think with connected with trust. Therefore, he will make us go through things that are scary, very insecuring, very sort of losing even more, mm-hmm. but that's to find him more. It's, there's no other way. And I think if we don't, we stagnate and we fall, and that's, it's over. It can go over very quickly, because if we turn away, it's very hard. So your message to us would be to be open, would that be yeah, great? Yeah, to ask him to come in and to say yes to him, like our lady does. Mm. You know, all the time, every day, my lord and my king. And she really, really lives that, uh, not in words, but in real. <laughs> and in more recent times, you become involved with Mary's Meals. Yeah, so 12 years maybe ago. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Please. 12 years ago, um, our lady in August had said um, we should give our lives to her in 2004, mm-hmm. like in the beginning days, with the same enthusiasm. And by the time I had my husband and a little daughter, mm. and um, we were a few of us up in Craig Lodge in this prayer house in the, in the Scottish Highlands, which is the birth house of Mary's Meals, mm. and which is where I went many times with Father Slavko and Maria, mm. visionary. And um, we had become friends with the McFarlane Barrow family. And in 2004, we were doing a retreat of memory. Lots of things that I did with us in the operations and how she spoke and what she did and lots mm-hmm. of stuff. Just remembered to refresh in our hearts. And we wanted to respond to that call of August and said to her, well, how? Mm. Show more. Mm. We need a more concrete mm. you know, mm. guidance. Mm-hmm. So in September, 25th of September 2004, we got the message in Craig Lodge from Maria Visionary. And, um, and she said, dear children, today, today I invite you to be love where there is hatred and to be food where there is hunger. May your hands be extended and generous so that every creature can thank God the Creator through you. Open yourselves up to God's love, but if you cannot do that if you do not pray. Therefore, my children, pray, pray, pray. Thank you for having responded to my call. And that was went very deeply into us. Mm-hmm. And that day, Magnus had just come back from Malawi, and I called him with his sister Ruth. And I said, Magnus, this message speaks so much about Craig Lodge and, 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 and Mary's Mears. I just need to know what you're doing. Yeah? Why don't you come and show us a PowerPoint presentation? And he did. He came to the chapel, joined us who were in, on retreat, and showed us a mm-hmm. PowerPoint presentation that he had compiled. And it was Scottish music, photos of children and of poor people, mm-hmm. and words of Mary, Mother Teresa of John Paul II and of the Queen of Peace. And there were words, there was the attitude to the child that just totally touched me. And the attitude was, 
the words of Mother Teresa says if you say there are too many children you're saying there are too many flowers mm. then the word which always I find so poetic is she says love has a hem to its garment and it can swipe because I looked it up again it can swipe the dust and the stains from the streets and the lanes and because it can it must and that for me is something it's a calling that because it shows you love has no limits and love can go into every hole and when I saw these words it just pierced my heart and those children who were an, a, a, an ocean of anonymous people just came out like this and said they are them I want you to commit to them type of thing I said to Mara, I said I have to respond to that call I said how would you feed your family because I was working, looking for work actually and he said I need to employ somebody now and I said well maybe we can have a chat and see if I can be of use to you and Magnus is a man of prayer and he's a humble man so he doesn't impose anything and he told me later he had been praying and hoping I would get involved and that lady completely heard him and totally called me totally very strongly and it did it did two things it gave me work because I needed to assist, mm-hmm. help my husband mm-hmm. and it gave me again refreshed the mission you know and it's beautiful because it's, it's lovely it's hard work it has to be and it's humble work and it has to be and it's beautiful because it's all about having giving life to the children uh, so how how is uh, how, how does it operate it operates that we receive we speak of the story of the chronically hungry children mm-hmm. and people help us and want to have them eat and have them have education mm-hmm. and so they give us money and we buy food locally And uh, the mother teacher associations in the state schools provide the, the, the organization of mothers who come and cook every day. So we have like an army of volunteers where the moms who cook. And 12 years ago, <coughs> in 2002, 14 years ago, it started um, with 200 orphans in the south of Malawi. And today we feed 1,187,401 in 13 countries. That's a lot of, that's about 1.2 million people, uh, children million almost. Two, yeah. Did you say every day? Every day. It is today. They eat and they receive a warm meal in the school which is being cooked in the schools. Yeah. It's, it's being cooked in the schools. But so therefore, it's, therefore they go to school. Yeah, they go to school. Is that one of the ideas? They want to go to school but they don't have the strength and it's a luxury. Hmm. And therefore, and the, the, the person who triggered this understanding was a boy called Edward that whom Magnus met mm-hmm. in the year 2002 in November 2002 Edward remembers the date and even says it in the film Generation Hope 22nd of November 2002 he remembers mm-hmm. and he said to Magnus when Magnus asked him what are your dreams your ambitions he was 14 at the time mm-hmm. said I would like to have enough to eat and maybe go to school one day and for Magnus it, 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 it really hurt him he heard that yeah. it, and he, he heard it and it hurt mm-hmm. because his children dream of more mm-hmm. you know, food in school is something you go oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there it is the luxury and therefore at that heart of his the, he was able to heal the child and responded to the need of the child and that was Mary's and How the name was an English businessman I thought of the name but the real charisma is in that hearing the child so how is it funded? donations people give so if we were to give I mean how, how can we for example one child costs 14 euro 50 for one year to eat every day 14 euros 50 yeah. if I give you 14 euros 50 now that keeps a child yeah. fed for every, day, every day for school year yeah, yeah. Oh. so it's not very expensive it, because it's all local because it's all you know people mm-hmm. um, it's all cheap in the sense we don't do expensive lives down there 
it's used by local produce, local people, yes. and so on and so forth. Lots yeah. of volunteers, local produce, and not very not luxurious lives of our employees. It's all grassroots, you know. And if people want to get involved, how, how can they contact through the they website? Can, there are different offices mm-hmm. registered. Many countries have marysnews.ie for Ireland, for example. Mm-hmm. We have marysnews.org. Okay. And on that you find a little globe, you click, and you find countries and flags. And you will see people who have registered Mary's Meals and who um, fundraise. And they just do events, lots and lots and lots of events. One last question. Since you had that experience 32 years ago, yeah. I say you haven't been bored. Mm-hmm. I say the Lord and Our Lady is asking you continually. Totally, yeah, continuously. It doesn't stop. And that included, obviously, this, ex- the, this meeting that you had yes. with Magnus Packing. Yeah, everything. You know, it, it continues. Yeah. It's a constant growth there. In, 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 in learning everything, the work and, and what it is and how to... The most important thing is how to do it. Because mm-hmm. what we do is not new. Mm-hmm. Feeling how our children is as old as Jesus says. Mm-hmm. The poor will always be there. Mm-hmm. It's how. Mm-hmm. With the messages in the heart. And that's the difference. And it's small and it's grassroots and it's beautiful. I know you've been very good. I know you're very busy. Can we maybe just finish off this chat with a prayer, please? Maybe yeah. you can offer yeah. a prayer for us all. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe just again the Our Father. Mm-hmm. Because that is such an essential prayer. And she asked us to pray, to say with all our honest heart, Thy will be done and Thy kingdom come. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace. Pray for us. In the name of the Father. Amen. 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 May you never be bored and continue to do our Lady and our Lord's work. Thank you. I hope so. God bless you now. Pray for me. Bye bye now. Thank you. So my thanks again to Melona Van Hapsbeck for for sharing that beautiful story with us. And just to conclude uh, the program this morning, I'd like to go out with, a, with, with a, a beautiful piece of music that I, did, I, I come across recently. This one was actually written by Eric Clapton. And he wrote this beautiful song, A Heartfelt Prayer to the Blessed Mother. And he's actually accompanied uh, by the great Italian opera singer Luciana Pavaretti on this particular piece. Eric Clapton's prayer is indeed real. In his painful, honest memoir, Clapton the autobiography, he elaborates on the beginnings of his prayer life. A 1987 rock-bottom moment at the rehab treatment centre. I was in complete despair, Clapton wrote. In the privacy of my room, I begged for help. I had no notion who I thought I was talking to. I just knew that I had to come, that I'd come to the end of my theatre. And getting down on my knees, I surrendered. Within a few days, I realised that I'd found a place to turn to, a place I'd always known was there but never really wanted or needed to believe in. From that day until this, I'd never failed to pray in the morning on my knees, asking for help, and at night to express gratitude for my life, and most of all for my sobriety. I choose to kneel because I feel I need to humble myself when I pray. And with me, my ego, this is the most I can do. If you're asking why I do all this, I'll tell you, because it works. As simple as that. So let's listen to Eric Clapton and Luciana Pavarotti sing a beautiful piece of music entitled Holy Mother. Until next week, God bless you all now.
Bye. Sacred Space.